Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. Father, we approach your word with, with reverence because we have built our lives on this word, and it is your holy written word. And it's been a light unto our pathway, a lamp unto our pathway, a light unto our walk with you. So, Father, we, we've, we've acted on this word, but we know that there's more understanding that we can lay hold of. And sometimes there are ways that things can be said just a little differently that can shed some more light as the Spirit enables us to, uh, to speak. So we trust you, Father, to anoint us today and to anoint me, to give me utterance today that I would say and speak boldly as the very oracle of God. And, Father, that I would have wisdom and direction, Father, that I would, that I would say things that would be easy to understand and would be enlightening and would be a blessing, Father. We thank you for that. Glory to God. I pray for every hearer, everyone who's listening today in this house, in this in this room, this auditorium, but also who will be listening uh, online uh, as they watch this, you know, during the week and so forth. Father, that everyone would have ears to hear and eyes to see, Father, spiritual hearing, spiritual seeing. Father, we pray for enlightenment by the Spirit, revelation, uh, knowledge, uh, understanding uh, in line with your word, Father. We thank you for that, Lord, that we may all be doers of the word, not just hearers, but be doers of the word. Glory to God. While we're praying, Father, we pray for our government. Our nation is in very serious need of prayer, and we we have the key, Father. We have the ability to pray and to see you move on behalf of our government. So we pray for our leaders that they would make good decisions, Father, that you would help them. Father, enlighten them. Glory to God. In their time of need, when they realize that they don't have the answer, when they realize they no longer can claim to to, to know what to do, Father, you're right there to help, to to inspire them, to help them, not not just for their sake, but for the sake of the church. Glory to God. And we thank you for that, Father, for the cause of the gospel. Glory to God. And we, we claim that in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen. Praise the Lord. Well, two weeks ago, I started talking about the subject of participating in prosperity. Pastor Greg's already made a comment about that this morning and, and actually mentioned some of the scriptures that we want to look into today. But you have to participate in prosperity. Before, but before you can uh, receive the benefit from your participation, you have to believe what the Bible says. Some people participate in giving, but they don't do it from a standpoint of faith. They do it from a standpoint of law or standpoint of requirement or standpoint of regulation or just ritual, uh, just habit. And the blessing is on when we on our action when we act in faith. And so in order to act in faith, you have to know what the Bible says. 
So two weeks ago, last week we had a guest speaker, Brother Rich Walker was here, and that was tremendous. We enjoyed that. But the week before, last week, we talked about the Abrahamic covenant. Now, I'm not going to go into everything that I said last week because we don't have time. But uh, I encourage you if, you, if you didn't hear it or if you need a refresher, go back and listen to uh, my message from two weeks ago because it's, it provides more foundation than I'm able to cover today. But we want to look at a few of the scriptures and make some brief comments. Like I said, not as much as we did before. But uh, go with me to, to Galatians chapter 3. Galatians chapter 3. Galatians chapter 3, verse 13 says, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. Now that word redeemed, literally in the Greek, it means to buy back, to purchase something that was forfeited and to buy it back. Something that was given up, you purchase it and buy it back. He said, Christ has bought back our freedom." He has purchased our freedom from the curse of the law. For it is written, having become a curse for us, for it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. That's referring, of course, to the cross. That the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Now, Pastor Greg has already talked about the the fact that some people discount any reference to things in the Old Testament as saying, well, that doesn't apply to us today. But let me ask you this, why would this be in the New Testament then? (laughs) It's in the New Testament that the blessing of Abraham, and how many of you know Abraham was an Old Testament figure? That the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Jews today. Is that what that says? That the blessing of Abraham just belongs to those days gone by. No, that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus. And I always, in my mind, when I read in Christ Jesus, I always think in union with, that's what in Christ means. It means that we are in union with him. That the blessing that God promised Abraham might come upon the Gentiles today in union with Christ Jesus. Woo. That we would receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Friends, we've been delivered. And, Pat, and Brother Steve mentioned this this morning, that, you know, what he's already done. He's already delivered us. He's already set us free. He's already provided for us. We have been redeemed. Our freedom has been bought and paid for and delivered into our hands. Glory to God. We're not trying to get God to do anything. We're just, we're just trying to catch up. We're just trying to get more information and find out more and more what he's already done so that we can participate, so we can agree with it, so that we can put our faith in it, so that we can run with what God has already done. And I'm telling you, there's a lot to, to lay hold of. Our redemption is so full, so abundant, so overwhelming, so all-encompassing that it takes all we can do 
And, and we still never really catch up <laughs> with, with understanding how good and how full this redemption is. Hallelujah. It's been my life work <laughs> to, to understand more and more and more and more and lay hold of more and more and more. God wants us to lay hold of what he's provided for us. Everything Jesus provided for us through his death, burial, and resurrection cost him dearly. Every provision of redemption he paid for with his own blood. And it was, the blood was shed uh, in a horrible manner in order to provide redemption for us. So don't ever take the, the get, let, let yourself be lulled into this idea. Well, these things are really important. These other things, yeah, I don't really care. I'm not really that excited about that. You need to get an, a, a new and fresh understanding of the cross and of what it cost Jesus to provide all of those things that you might not think are all that important. Well, thank God you can say amen if you want to. If you don't want to, say oh me. Christ has purchased our freedom. Now we read this in, uh, we went down to the 19th chapter, or the 19th verse, excuse me. The 19th verse of Galatians 3 says, what purpose then does the law serve? It was added because of transgressions. Notice, until the seed should come. To whom the promise was made. The promise there is the promise that God gave Abraham. God made a promise to Abraham, but he really made a promise to Christ. Except like this, God made a promise to, to the seed, Christ, but he made the promise through Abraham. What purpose then? It says, does the law serve? It was added because of the transgression. Till the seed should come to whom the promise was made. Ultimately, the promise was made to Christ. And it was appointed through angels by the hand of a mediator. Look at verse number 22. But the scripture has confined all under sin that the promise by faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe. How many believers do we have in here? The promise has been given to you. The promise God made Abraham, he actually made with Christ. And the neat thing about covenants is that when two people and in antiquity, when they entered into covenant, they both swore on their life to abide by the terms of this covenant. Each one of them had something to give. And they, they swore an oath that they would keep this covenant for life. And they pledged their life. Should they ever violate it, there were curses that went along with it. Well, well we've, we've been made part of this covenant. But, but understand that the covenant is really between God and Christ and neither one of them can fail. Neither one of them are capable of failing, not one iota, not one jot, not one tittle, not one 
comma, not one thing that's been pledged can either one of them ever fail to uphold. We've been made a party to that, but we're not the ones that are required to perfectly keep that covenant. Are you listening to me? Because we, how many of you know, you can look around to your friends and neighbors. Some of us fail sometimes because we're still flesh and blood. We're, we're still mortal. We're, st- we're still in this life. And sometimes we fail. Thank God there is provision. There's forgiveness. But our failure doesn't invalidate the covenant. Because the covenant is between Father God and Christ. Neither one of them have ever failed. Glory to God. That's good news. But the scripture has confined all under sin. That the, see, God had to bring all of us to the same place so that none of us would have any claim in ourself for anything. It would all have to be by faith in Christ. Faith in the promise given to Christ, amen, that the promise by faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe. What was, what's given? The promise, the blessing. And let's uh, then look at verse number uh, 26 through, verses 26 through 29. For you are all sons of God. It's even, all, even all you women are sons of God. Did you know that? It's the truth. That's true. You are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. This business that, well, this this doesn't belong to Christians, this belongs to the... There is no Jew or Greek. There is no Jew or Gentile in Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. We're all sons of God. And if you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's you. You, 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 you are Abraham's seed yourself and heirs according to to the promise. Romans says joint heirs with Christ. No one could make this up. No human being could make up anything as radical and extreme as this. Glory to God. If you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's seed. And heirs according to the promise. So in summary, the covenant God established was ultimately between himself and Christ, the seed who was to come in due time. The church, that is all believers, by virtue of their union with Christ, are also Abraham's seed and joint heirs with Christ according to the promise. Hallelujah. Now I want us to go to Deuteronomy again. And go to the sixth chapter. And, and 
Let's look at some of these verses again. Deuteronomy chapter 6. Let's look at verse number 3. Therefore hear, O Israel, and be careful to observe it, that is, these commandments, that it may be well with you, and that you may multiply greatly as the Lord God, your fathers, has promised you. Just as the Lord, excuse me, the Lord God of your fathers has promised you. Now, the thing I want to bring out here and get you to see is he was talking uh, to Israel generations after Abraham had passed. This was when Moses brought the children of Israel out of Egypt and gave them the law. But he he referred to their fathers. If you go down to uh, verse 10, it says, So it shall be when the Lord your God brings you into the land of which he swore to your fathers. Who are the fathers? Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Because the covenant God made with Abraham, he said, Now I'm going to confirm this covenant with Isaac. I'm not going to confirm it with Ishmael. I'm going to confirm it with Isaac. He confirmed it with Jacob. He confirmed it with all of the, of the sons of Jacob. And Jacob, of course, his name was changed to Israel. And so when God brought Israel, the nation of Israel, they had grown into a, a, a nation while they were in Egypt. When God brought them out, he referred to their fathers. He said that you may, in verse number three again, you may multiply greatly as the Lord God of your fathers. Now notice, we notice that the fathers are talking about Abraham and his, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. That you may multiply greatly as the Lord God of your fathers. Now notice, has promised you. So the promise to the fathers was also the promise to his descendants. The natural descendants of Abraham. God made a promise to Abraham, but he said, here, Moses said, God promised you. The promise God gave to your fathers is yours. It was just like he stood in front of you and promised you. Just like God stood in front of Abraham and said, I am cutting the covenant with you. I am, I am making my covenant. I'm establishing my covenant with you. But he said, in your descendants and their generation. So here later, Moses is talking and he says, God promised you. Well, praise the Lord. Verse number 10, so it shall be, we'll read this again, when the Lord your God brings you into the land of which he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give you large and beautiful cities which you did not build, houses full of all good things which you did not fill, hewn out wells which you did not dig, vineyards and olive trees which you did not plant. When you have eaten and are full, then beware lest you forget the Lord. He said, God's going to be good to you. Moses is telling the children of Israel, says, God, God's going to bring us into this land and, and it's going to be good. God's going to be good to you. He said, just don't forget the Lord. Amen. And then we'll go on down to uh, chapter 7. And let's look at verse number 6. I love this verse. Verse 6. Seven, eight, nine, twelve. I love them. God's, Moses, 
is still talking to the nation of Israel. He said, for you are a holy people to the Lord your God. Well, does that have an application to us? You are a holy gener- uh, nation. First Peter chapter 2, you are a holy nation, chosen generation, a holy nation, his own special people. Amen. Purchased people. He said here to them, you are a holy people to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for himself. Now we are, Peter said, the people of God. Or John said, yes. He has chosen you to be a people for himself, a special treasure above all the peoples on the face of the earth. God chose that for Israel, but he chose it more importantly for the church. He told Israel in the next verse, he said, The Lord did not set his love upon you or choose you because you were greater. You're more in number than any other people. You were the least of all people. God, Friend, God didn't choose you because you were somebody. He didn't look down and say, oh, there's a prize one right there. Woo, now what a specimen. What a specimen. I'm going to pour my love out on this part because, boy, he is just, he or she. I mean, you, that's, woo, Jesus, have you seen No, that's not what happened. We all were the least of the least. Paul said, I'm the least of all. God didn't set his love on us because of anything we did or could do or any value we had. He set his love upon us because he's that kind of God. You were the least of all people. But why did he do it? Verse 8. But because the Lord loves you. And because he would keep the oath which he swore to your fathers. Remember Romans chapter 4? Abraham is the talking about those who follow in the steps of faith of Abraham who is the father of us all. Praise God. Because the Lord loves you. Because he would keep the oath which he swore to your fathers. To Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The Lord has brought you out with a mighty hand, has redeemed you from the house of bondage. We were translated out of the kingdom of darkness and into the kingdom of his dear son. Glory to God. (laughs) From the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, we were delivered from the devil. Amen. Therefore, know. You need to know this. Therefore know that the Lord your God, he is God, the faithful God, who keeps covenant and mercy for a thousand generations with those who love him and keep his commandments. Now, from the day of Abraham today, hasn't even been close to a thousand generations. He is faithful. He is the faithful God. And he keeps covenant. I'm I'm so glad he keeps covenant and mercy. Because sometimes I'm standing strong in the covenant. Other times I'm pleading for mercy. (laughs) But there's covenant and mercy. Glory to God. You win either under covenant or mercy. Every day of the week. Glory to God. He said he is faithful to keep covenant and mercy for a thousand generations with those who love him 
and keep his commandments. And I said, well, I don't always keep his commandments. Listen, focus on one commandment. Paul said, if love, if you love one another, you fulfill all other commandments. They are all briefly included in this one saying, you love your neighbor as yourself. Love God, love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to a neighbor. If you walk in love towards people, toward other people, you're not going to lie about them. You're not going to gossip about them. You're not going to take from them. You're not going to defraud them. You're not going to do anything wrong in inter- interaction with other people if you'll just walk in love. Oh, glory. I mean, how good can it get? It's come down to one coven, uh, one, one commandment. Just one commandment. <laughs> oh, glory to God. It's almost not even fair. <laughs> Oh, glory to God. Verse number 12. Then it shall come to pass because you listen to these judgments and keep and do them because you walk in love. It shall come to pass. It shall come to pass. Well, praise the Lord. Hold your place. Let me, just, let me just remind us. Go to Romans. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Look at the 13th chapter. Hallelujah. Verse number eight. Owe no one anything except to love one another. For he who loves another has fulfilled the law. Has fulfilled the law. One translation says, has done all that the law demands. For the commandments, you should not commit adultery. You should not murder. You should not steal. You shall not bear false witness. You shall not covet. And if there is any other commandment, all are summed up in this saying, namely, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to a neighbor. Therefore, now get it, love is the fulfillment. Love fully satisfies all the law, all the commandments. Glory to God. Let's go back to Deuteronomy 7. Then it shall come to pass, because you walk in love, that the Lord your God will keep with you the covenant and the mercy which he swore to you. Now see, people drift back. People, right while we're reading this, right in church, people will drift right back into this. Now, pastor, you're reading out of the law. This is Old Testament. Why are you, well, wait a minute. Were you paying attention? The covenant that God made with Abraham, that's what, this is, that's what this is about. That covenant is still in effect. We are all children of Abraham. Hallelujah. Well, let's keep on going. That Lord your God will keep with you the covenant and the mercy which you swore to your fathers. He will love you, bless you, and multiply you. So I don't want to be multiplied. (laughs) You reach a certain age, you're not so interested in multiplying anymore. (laughs) It just means to cause you to increase. 
<laughs> Hallelujah. I long ago left it to my kids to multiply me. And they're, they've given up on that themselves. It won't be long and their kids will be doing the multiply. It all comes back to him, comes back to me. Praise the Lord. Amen. It's a good deal. He will love you, bless you, cause you to increase. He will also bless the fruit of your womb. Well, men, are you left out? Just means your offspring. <laughs> he will also bless your, your offspring, your descendants. The fruit of your land, your grain, your new wine and, and your oil, the increase of your cattle, the offspring of your flock, and the land of which he swore to your fathers to give you. All of this goes back to what God said to our fathers, Jacob, before him Isaac, and before him Abraham. That's where these blessings came from. And the Lord, well, verse 14 says, you shall be blessed above all people. There shall not be a male or female barren among you or among your livestock. And the Lord will take away from you all sickness. Wow. All sickness. It's part of the covenant. Hallelujah. Let's go on over to chapter 8. Look at verse 7. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land, a land of brooks of water, of fountains and springs that flow out of valleys and hills, a land of wheat and barley, of vines and fig trees and pomegranates, a land of olive oil and honey, a land in which you will eat bread without scarcity. In, now listen, in which you will lack nothing. Now, he's talking about the land of Israel, but, but we don't live in Israel. We live in Alachua County, surrounding counties. The blessing goes wherever we go. The blessing isn't on the land. The blessing was on Abraham. The land was fruitful because of Abraham. The hills and the, and the valleys had rivers and streams and, and fruit and vegetation because of the blessing of Abraham. It'll work in Columbia County. It'll work all the way out in dry old Gilcrest County. When we first moved out there in 1980, people told us it's the, the land in Gilcrest County is so poor the rabbits have to carry their lunch when they cross it. But, but we found out God provided for us in, 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 in Gilcrest County. <laughs> oh, glory to God. Amen. <laughs> A land whose, iron, whose stones are iron and out of whose hills you can dig copper. When you have eaten and are full. I like that. Then you shall bless the Lord your God for the good land which he has given you. Beware that you do not forget your, the Lord your God by not walking in love. I'm interpreting in, in New Testament light. Lest when you have eaten and are full. Now let me tell you something about prosperity. When we're talking about the blessing of Abraham and biblical prosperity, we are not talking about uh, showy prosperity. We're not talking about uh, extravagance in the sense of 
being ostentatious. People who are showy, people who want to show, they they just want to flaunt how much money they got, they're proud of themselves. It's exactly why they do. They want everybody to see what they've done, what they've provided. He said, don't do that. He said, "Don't, don't, don't forget the Lord. Stay, we're talking about humble prosperity. We're talking about prosperity that that doesn't take on airs. We are somebody in God, but we don't have to walk around acting like we're somebody. Looking down our nose at somebody. That that's a that, that God doesn't like that. He does not like that at all. So we're not talking about that sort of thing. Well, praise the Lord. Let's continue here. Beware that you do not forget the Lord your God by not keeping his commandments, his judgments, and his statutes, which we know in the New Testament that means walk in love. Lest when you have eaten and are full, ooh, Lord, and have built beautiful houses and dwell in them, ooh, Lordy, and when your herds and your flocks multiply and your silver and your gold are multiplied and all that you have is multiplied, now, do you think the Lord wrote this so that the people of, of, of Israel would be ashamed of their silver and gold? That they, would, that they would be all, you know, embarrassed about it? No, we're not talking about being embarrassed. We're not talking about being ashamed of God's blessing. I'm glad that God's blessed us. But, but we just want to caution ourselves not to be, take on errors because when you do, you're looking at yourself. And that'll, that'll stop the blessing of God. He said, your silver and gold are multiplied. All that you have is multiplied. When your heart is lifted up and you forget the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. See, the people that that get lifted up in in biblical prosperity and they just, you know, they can't even... uh, I I went to a a conference uh, years ago out in California for a friend of mine. It was actually Keith Hershey. I was on his board of directors for a little while of his, of his ministry. So he has an annual gathering. And so I went out there one year when I was, I was part of that. And uh, quite a number, number, many years ago. And he had a certain <clears throat> word of faith preacher uh, in town that he had invited to, to be kind of the keynote <clears throat> speaker. And he was a person that, you know, people knew. And... Uh, this man came into town, and when he came into town, Keith didn't know it, but, you know, he's in L.A., and there was some kind of big Hollywood shindig going on, and all of the fancy cars were rented. This man flew into town, and he wanted a certain type of automobile, and he, and he said, it's got to be a certain color. It's got to be a certain brand. It's got to be this. Well, they got there and there weren't any. He wanted a black, whatever it was. I don't remember what the vehicle was. He wanted a black one. They didn't have any. They had a white one. He said, I'm not driving that. He said, I reserved a black one. Well, they got here, sir. I mean, you know, we've had a lot of, you know, sorry, but this is what we've got. No, that's not good enough. Made a big stink about it. They got Keith on the phone. Keith is in the middle of a, 
because the conference was already underway. Keith, Keith told me, he said, I was so mad. He said, I'm so mad, Edwin. He said, you could stick a pin in that artery in my forehead right now. I'm just so mad, just blow blood out. They, I, don't know, I don't even know how they resolved the car. But anyway, they got him to the hotel. The same hotel I was staying in. It was a decent hotel. He wasn't happy with his room. He checked in his room, wasn't happy with his room, would not stay because he had, they had told him it was going to be a certain kind of suite and it was a different kind of suite. Not going to stay. He's by himself. Not going to stay. So the manager, the general manager of the hotel calls he, Keith on the phone. Because Keith has all of his guests stay there. And they've got their friends, you know, they've got a good relation. Calls Keith, he said, I, I don't know what to do with your guests. He said, I'm about ready to call the police and throw him out. But I'm just calling you as a courtesy. That's prosperity that's gone to your head and it's no longer in your heart. We don't need to act like that. And I know none of you would act like that. That's pretty extreme. But there are less versions of that. Yeah, more subtle versions of that. And it all comes from forgetting that the Lord has blessed you and you think you've blessed yourself. That's where that comes from. Amen. It's good preaching. Go back to my text. You say, then you say in your heart, my power and the might of my hand has gained me this wealth. And you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he, now get this, who gives you power to get wealth. Now, some people get in the ditch on one side, and they get all showy and proud and, and just want everybody to see their fancy car. And the, it's no long, nothing wrong with having a fancy car. It's your attitude that's, that can stink. Yeah, everybody, I want everybody to see what I got and what I have. How, I want everybody to see how God's blessed me. No, you just want everybody to see your stuff and what a big shot you are. Well, hallelujah. It is, but that's one extreme. That's what I started to say. That's on one side of the ditch. That's a ditch on one side of the road. But the ditch on the other side of the road is, you know, Pastor, I don't like you. I don't like it when you talk about prosperity. I, I wish you'd get off of that and, and let's just get back to good Bible preaching, you know, and, and, uh, They just don't like it. Well, God, it's God who gives you the power to get wealth. He must want, want you to get it or he wouldn't have given you the power. <laughs> he, wouldn't given you, he, didn't, he wouldn't have given you the power to get wealth if he didn't want you to use it. The power to get wealth comes from God. That he may, now notice, that for this reason, that's what the word that means. For this purpose, that he may establish, note in my Bible says confirm, his covenant, which he's, now he's talking to the Israelites several generations after Abraham. He said, God, remember, you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the power to get wealth, that for this purpose, that he may establish his covenant, which he swore to your fathers, as it is this day, as if Abraham is still standing right here. And it's not Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It's Abraham, Isaac, and Fred. (laughs) 
or whatever your name is. In this generation, in this time, glory to God. I'm telling you. Glory to God. Now he says if you forget him and start serving other gods and worship them, he said it's not going to go well at all. That's the curse. So the blessing of Abraham includes prosperity. You need to have that established that it's part of the new covenant. It's, it's just, now you will, you'll never find Jewish people who believe in poverty. They don't believe in it. They don't believe in it. Not to, not to racially profile anybody, you know, or stereotype anybody. I'm not talking about, but Jewish people don't believe in being poor. There's been a lot of jokes, you know. Uh, well, why, you know, why do people make jokes about, you know, uh, you know, being, you know, as, as, as wise financially and in business as a, as a Jew, because they're good at it. They don't believe in poverty. They're not embarrassed with, with, with wealth. Amen. It's, it's part that comes from their understanding of the old covenant. They understood the blessing of Abraham. Well, today in the church, we don't understand the blessing of Abraham like we should. Because we've been influenced with tradition that says, you know, it's, 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 it's more godly to just not have very much and just kind of, you know, live very low key and just barely get by. You know, have your needs met. You know, we know God doesn't want us to be hungry, but, you know, uh, anything above just, you know, just a, a little few extras, a few little niceties, that's all we need. That's, that's not understanding our covenant. We need to understand our covenant. Our, it's the covenant that God made with Abraham is in effect now, and it has come to the church. It belongs to the church. Belongs to the church. He gives us the power to get wealth that he may establish his covenant today. As as of today, as, as if today. Glory to God. Therefore, Christ has purchased our freedom from the curse of the law, sickness and poverty. We we talk a lot about sickness, but but today we're, we're focusing on the poverty part. That the blessing of Abraham might come upon us. You. You. Us. In union with Christ Jesus. That we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Now, it it, it amazes me that people are always trying to undercut. And and short sell everything God does. Everything he provides. they've They've got a reason why it doesn't apply to them. Doesn't apply to us. They say, well, it's all for the Jews. Well, if it was for the Jews, why is it in Galatians? Last I heard, <laughs> that was written to the church. I mean, isn't this one of the epistles that Paul, by the Spirit, gave the church? Let me look at, let me make sure, Galatians. Paul, an apostle, <clears throat> not from men nor through men, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father, raised him from the dead, and all the brethren who are with me, grace to you and peace from God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins, that he might deliver us 
<clears throat> from this present, e- present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father. I think this was written to the church. What in the world is Galatians 3, 13 and 14 in the New Testament for? If it doesn't, if it's just for the Jews. That doesn't even make sense. Also, let's go on down. Turn on over to Galatians. I'm going to try to wrap up this morning. Turn back over to Galatians. Verse number 15. Brethren, I speak in the manner of men. Now, the 14 chapter, verse 14, we talk about the blessing of Abraham. That we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Like I said, some people are always trying to, 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 you know, to wiggle out and say it doesn't belong. They'll say, well, the, the promise was the promise of the Holy Spirit. Well, that was part of it. That was part of it. He would pour his Spirit out upon us. That's part of the blessing of Abraham. But verse 16 says, now to Abraham and his seed were the promises. So it's, when it talks about the promise, it's talking about the whole package. Okay. Start in verse 15. Brethren, I speak in the manner of men. That, that's, that's a Pauline kind of uh, expression. You'll find this several times in, in the epistles. He'll say something like this. Yeah, I speak after the manner of men. He, what, he's, what he's doing is he's just giving us uh, an analogy. He's using an earthly uh, human uh, concept to illustrate a biblical principle. Brethren, I speak in the manner of men. Though it is only a man's covenant, yet if it is confirmed, no one annuls or adds to it. Now to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. He does not say and to seeds as of many, but as of one and to your seed who is Christ. This I say, notice he's already brought up a man's covenant. He said, even if it's only a man's covenant, yet if it's confirmed, no one annuls or adds to. This I say, verse 17, that the law, which was 430 years later, the law of Moses became 430 years later after God made the promise to Abraham. He said, the law, which was 430 years later, cannot annul the covenant that was confirmed before by God in Christ, in union with Christ. God confirmed the the covenant long before before in the spirit realm through Christ who hadn't even come to to the earthly realm yet. He found Abraham, a man who would be willing to lay the life down, give his only begotten son. And when he did, he was able to make covenant with him through a man like that in this earth to bring in Christ. That was the time right then when God entered into covenant. God didn't enter into covenant with with Christ when he was born in Bethlehem. He entered into covenant with Christ as soon as he declared that covenant. Oh, glory. This I say that the law, which was 430 years later, cannot annul the covenant that was confirmed before by God in Christ, that it should make the promise of no effect. For if the inheritance is of the law, it is no longer of promise, but God gave it to Abraham by promise. The Jews had a certain degree of provision and they operated in the covenant primarily by keeping the law but faith was always superior 
God didn't, break, God didn't enter into Abraham by law. He entered into, co- into covenant with Abraham by law. He entered into covenant with Abraham through faith. And Abraham believed in the Lord. And it was accounted unto him for righteousness. God has always exalted faith above everything else. Now here's the point I'm about to make. You cannot, if you cannot annul a man's covenant once it's made, you can't annul the covenant with God. It can't be annulled. Folks, you, and, and, I, and I speak to anybody else who might be listening on, on, uh, on video. I don't care what your theology is, you cannot annul this covenant. You cannot deny that the covenant has been made and prosperity always was and is a central part of that covenant. You cannot annul it. You can deny it, but you can't annul it. You can can deny it and you can stay away from it and not enjoy the blessings of it, but you're not going to annul it. And the ones who believe it, they're going to have it. Listen to this. No man annuls or adds to it. I like the Weiss translation here. In this verse, it says, no one can annul it or add stipulations to it. See, all that business, well, that doesn't apply to this, and that, that's stipulation. You can't add that. Well, that was, for you, that was for some other day, something that's a stipulation. That's not in there. It's not in there. You, 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 that, I'm not buying your stipulations. No man annuls it. You can't do away with it. And you can't add your own interpretation and your weird theories and your unbelief and say, well, it doesn't apply to you and doesn't apply to me. No, you're stip- I'm not buying your stipulations. Neither is the covenant. It's, it's devoid of any man's stipulations. It is what it says it is. It is what God says it is. It is what God declared it to be. Hallelujah. Now, the devil is the biggest stipulator. (laughs) I don't think that's a word, but I just made it up. The devil will try to add all kinds of stipulations. Well, you got to do this. Well, you don't have that. And this doesn't like, not just say stipulator. (laughs) Invent a new word here. Stipulator. Shut up, stipulator. I'm not, not buying any of your ideas. You're not messing with my covenant. You're not messing with my covenant. I have a covenant with God and you're not part of it, devil. You're not a participant in this. You don't have rights to interfere. You don't have rights of objection and so forth. You can object all you want to, but it's not going to affect me. Hallelujah. Now, and this is what I wanted to finish with. All right, I will, I will. Go to Genesis 17. Uh, Genesis, yeah, Genesis 17. I was searching for this. You might have noticed me looking, scanning over some pages a while ago, earlier on when we were in Deuteronomy. But it was in Genesis, that's why. Couldn't find it in Deuteronomy, amazing. Imagine that. In Genesis 17, this is when Abraham was 99 years old said, I will make my covenant between you and me and will multiply you exceedingly. 
Abraham fell on his face and God talked with him saying, as for me, behold, my covenant is with you and you shall be a father of many nations. No longer shall your name be called Abram, for your, but your name shall be Abraham for I have made you a father of many nations. I will make you exceedingly fruitful and I will make nations of you and kings shall come from you. And here, here's the verse here, verse seven. And I will establish my covenant between me and you and your seed after you. Now we know the seed is primarily Christ, but notice it says in their generations. So that's talking about everybody who's in Christ in their generations. I will establish my covenant between you, me and you and your seed after you in their generations for an everlasting covenant to be a God to you and to your seed after you. Oh, hallelujah. Second Corinthians. No, don't turn there because I'm closing with that other one. what agreement has the temple of God with idols for you are the temple of the living God as God has said I will dwell in them I will walk among them I will be their God wait a minute he's quoting from the Old Testament tear it out get your blotter and blot it no a lot of Old Testament and the New Testament as God has said I will dwell in them I will walk among them. I will be their God and they shall be my people. Therefore, come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Do not touch what is unclean and I will receive you. I will be a father to you and you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty, to be a God to you. This is an everlasting covenant. It has not passed away. And how long is everlasting? What does everlasting life mean? It means eternal. It's an everlasting covenant that God entered into with Abraham, with Christ through Abraham, and we are all Christ's. We all belong to Christ. We're all part of Christ. It's an everlasting covenant. So you need to have this faith established in you that that. God, God intends for you to prosper. Just watch your attitude. That's what he said. Just watch your attitude. Just don't get lifted up in pride. Keep your attitude right. Keep your attitude right. And I tell you what, there's no limit. There really isn't any limit. Amen. Well, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. 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 It's, it's by faith. It's by faith. And we are all believers. That's, that's what we do. I mean, we, that, that's right up our alley. Faith, because we're saved by grace through faith. We are faith people. But if you're born again, you're a faith man. You're a faith woman. You're a faith person or else you're not saved. The righteous live by faith. We are so uh, we are so created for this. 
We are so equipped for the provisions of our covenant because it comes by faith. We have, we have one commandment, walk in love and then believe is the other. Two commandments, walk in love and believe. Can you, can you figure that? Can you get that? It's not hard. Walk in love and believe the Bible. Don't let silly people try to talk you out of what God has given you. Amen. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.